We all have a creative part of our brain, whether we use it or not, for generating new ideas, problem solving, and just viewing ourselves in this world. I am Ricky McGeckron, an artist living in Chicago, and I am eager to know and share with you all how people of a creative leaning have brought this way of thinking to the forefront and how it has shifted outcomes. I really love yoga, a blend of the physical and the mental. After doing my yoga practice, my body is energized and my mind more calm. On this episode of Eager to Know, I speak with my yoga instructor, Lance, about yoga, mindfulness, and meditation. All right, so I am here with Lance, and we just finished our yoga class. Lance is the instructor at the yoga studio that I go to um, at least once a week. So I am feeling very, my muscles are like all stimulated and excited. So that's, that's a good thing. So we decided that we were going to um, record this, this interview. So I said, let's just do it after class. So things may sound a bit um, echoey, but uh, that's because we're in, uh, in, in the yoga studio. Now, when you, do, when you teach a class, is that, uh, cons- do you consider that like a regular yoga practice for you? Or do you not count that? Do you have to go and practice on your own? Yeah, I don't count uh, teaching a class as a yoga practice. I do my own practice on my own. Yep. Okay. Now, how often do you practice on your own? Uh, it depends on um, it depends on my activity level that week. If I'm teaching a lot of classes, sometimes I actually don't do a physical practice. Uh, if I'm not teaching a lot of classes, I'll do a couple of practices a week. Okay. Tell me about what yoga, how that fits into your life right now. Are you just teaching? Is that just teaching classes and then you practice it? Is that the extent of what yoga is in your life right now? That's the biggest part of yoga right now in my life, but I do have a daily meditation practice. The first thing I do uh, when I wake up in the morning is I meditate. Um, and that's you know technically part of the yoga practice as well. So that's an important part of my life. Okay. All right. I didn't know that. When we did our pre-interview, you didn't mention the the meditation part. So that's that's really important. I want to know about how you got into yoga. Can you tell me about that? Yeah, it was a um, a VHS back in the uh, early 90s. Uh, A friend of mine bought it and we started doing yoga in the living room. Uh, And then shortly after the gym started offering it. And so I started going to classes at the gym when you first did yoga did it like activate your brain immediately did you feel a connection to it I I did actually I I, memory I don't even think I even knew what yoga was when I when my friend brought the VHS over and it was absolute instant uh, connection I just felt like this was amazing yeah can you describe what what it was about it because I assume that you had had experience in physical fitness and probably stretching. What was it about yoga that was obviously something different than you had experienced? Yeah, it was, uh, it was the way my body felt. Um, just, you know, being able to move the entire body through, a, uh, you know, an hour practice and just feeling how energetic I felt after the practice, where oftentimes in workouts, you, you know, you're exhausted and tired afterwards and I didn't feel that. So, yeah. Yeah, that's why I had mentioned that was one of the first things I said when we started talking today. And because when I started doing yoga, I felt the same way. 
that I couldn't believe that my body felt energized and activated. I, when I was a kid, I used to do gymnastics and you would always work, you would work out and you would feel fatigued. And with yoga, you really don't. And it also, it affects your spirit a little bit as well. When you first started doing those VHS tapes and you were feeling this, you know, this energized feeling in your, in your muscles, in your body, was there a mental part of it? Because, you know, we touched on the fact that meditation is closely related to yoga. Had that even entered into the picture initially? No, uh, it, it took a number of years um, before I realized that uh, meditation and yoga were actually part of the same umbrella practice, if you will. Um, to me at the time, it was just a physical practice. I first started taking yoga back in probably around 2001, 2000, 2001, 2002. And I was looking to do two things. I was looking to improve my flexibility because I'm naturally not flexible. I'm very tight. And number two, I wanted to do something to help with stress. And I somehow stumbled on to yoga and I couldn't believe that there was a thing that did exactly those, those two things. Likewise, as far as flexibility, um, I, I have to work on my flexibility. There are other aspects of yoga that I'm really um, natural at, like balancing. I can balance, my balance poses are really good, but flexibility I have to work on. I think it was just, it was a, a combination of, you know, yeah, using the entire body and feeling your body as you went through a practice. It was like just amazing to me how it felt. This is kind of a big question, but what would you say yoga does for people? I think that, uh, you know, people come into yoga with different expectations. Uh, I think people come into yoga with the expectation of a workout where they're going to develop strength, they're going to develop flexibility, and I think that's great. I think a lot of people come into yoga because it's a reprieve from everyday life, right? They have an opportunity to stop doing what they're doing, they can take time out for themselves. Um, it makes their body feel good, it also makes their mind feel good. You know, if you're practicing properly, you keep your mind in the present moment and you stop worrying about uh, everything that's going on in your life. And I actually think that is a hidden gem with yoga. I don't think a lot of people come into yoga class realizing that. I think they come in expecting a workout and they don't understand why they're leaving feeling the way they feel because it doesn't occur to them that they've been present for the last 90 minutes. Yeah, I would agree with you. And I th my opinion, not certainly not expert opinion, is that the reason why that happens is because a lot of these poses are so physically challenging that you really can't think of anything else. So you kind of forget about all of your worries that you had all day and you're focusing on your pigeon and kind of how it hurts kind of training your brain to focus on one thing and displacing all the other things, I think is really important. So I guess it is kind of a side effect, but I think if people are aware of that going into a practice or, go, you know, that I think it can, it can help develop that part of your brain. I think that it's helpful if you do it regularly in concentration and focus 
and you know being focusing on one thing right you know um, we always laugh in our culture about the ability to multitask and science has proven that time and time again that all we are actually doing is going from one thing you know we're, we're flipping back and forth we're not actually multitasking the brain doesn't actually multitask like that but we we find ourselves feeling proud of ourselves when we accomplish two two tasks similar at the same time and what yoga does is it stops that multitasking it brings us right into the present moment like you said there's so many things to think about what the body's doing what muscles are we working what are the joints you know are the joints doing the right thing um, are we taking deep breaths while we're at it that we don't have time to um, do anything else we don't have time to do other multitasking and i think that's why it brings us right into the present moment and keeps us here yep. yeah. Something else about yoga that I think is wonderful, it's a never-ending journey for, for you. It's something that you'll never master. So as long as you can be comfortable with that, you kind of have your own little adventure and you have your own, it's your own practice where you can just focus on getting better and better. And you're always going to get better as, as long as you you know, keep working at it. And uh, that's wonderful. It's not like something where I mastered it and I'm done. Kind of like snowboarding, like snowboarding. I always bring up snowboarding, but snowboarding is something that you can kind of master it pretty quickly. Like it's, it's really hard once you start, but once you kind of get it, you're like, okay, I'm a snowboarder. I can do it. Um, yoga is more like painting where like painting, you're always gonna grow and develop. And as a painter, like I never have to worry about, oh, I figured it out, I'm done. It's the same thing with yoga. Like I know that it's just always gonna be a challenge. The things that I see you do in class, like there's no way I would ever be able to do them. And I am completely fine with that, but I can keep working towards them. The first thing I like to, to bring up in class when we're doing a pose, especially a pose that's, that's hard for the majority of class, is to set the ego aside, right? To not, um, you don't have to look like that person on the cover of Yoga Journal, right? You, you're gonna look like you look because you're not the same body as that person. Um, and so we have to learn to set our ego aside and practice, like you said. It's a continual practice. You do what you can and what you can't do, you set aside for that particular day. Uh, the other thing that I like to joke about um, to, with my students in class is kind of like you mentioned with snowboarding, but I always say, you know, always, you always hear a teacher say yoga practice. Whether you read about yoga, whether you hear about yoga, whether you talk about yoga, we go to a yoga practice. Never ever have you ever heard a yoga recital. It doesn't happen, right? It's always a yoga practice. We talked about how you know, when you're in these challenging poses, you can only think about one thing, which kind of leads into meditation. But why don't you tell me about your med? if you don't mind, can you talk about your meditation practice and how that relates to yoga and if it does? So I would consider my meditation practice part of my yoga practice. So does it relate to my physical yoga practice, the, the asanas, doing the poses? Absolutely, um, you know, being present. So when I wake up in the morning, I sit down to meditate. It's for 20 minutes. Uh, and my goal 
is to absolutely be present. I have no expectations. I don't expect to feel anything. I don't want to think about anything. I want to just notice my body, feel my body. If it's cold, if it's hot, you know, are there birds outside? Is there a garbage truck outside? Is a siren going by? Those things are awareness of the present moment. So it's not, you know, I'm not trying to achieve, I'm not, I'm not, I don't have a goal to get to nirvana because that will happen at the right time. What about your thoughts when you're doing your meditation? What happens with all the things that are going on in your brain? <laughs> My mind's quiet. No, uh, not at all. Um, I'm always, you know, th that's, that's why it's a meditation practice. You know, I get caught in a in a storyline, whatever it might be. Maybe I'm trying to make plans for the day. And the minute I realize I'm doing that, I just come back to my breath or I come back to that noise that's brought me out of, out of that storyline and I stay present again. And then pretty soon I wander off. And when I realize it, I come back to the inhale or the exhale. Um, I like to light a candle. So oftentimes I will stare at the candle to help keep my thoughts present, but that doesn't always work. Sometimes my mind wanders again. And why would you, why do you think this is helpful to people to, to do something like that? With practice on meditation like this to become absolutely present, um, when we find ourselves in difficult or challenging situations, uh, you know, something doesn't go right. It could be something as easy as you get caught in the rain. Maybe you're in a fender bender. Maybe you, know, maybe you didn't get that promotion. Or maybe your neighbor starts yelling at you. Whatever, whatever the case may be. If you have a practice of sitting still and being present, then when situations in life that come up, that throw you off or catch you off guard, you are more able to stop and to act accordingly based on the situation instead of reacting about the situation. It's the reacting that causes uh, anger and confusion and fear. And acting accordingly can only be done if your mind is able to be present. Okay, so I am now remembering when I first started doing yoga, I had forgotten about this and I learned exactly that not for meditation, we're getting back to the, but to yoga because it was the first time that I had been in a situation where I had to like hold these poses that were painful and I had to focus on my breathing and stay with not the, not necessarily pain, but a little bit of discomfort. And I just had to stay with it because we had to hold the pose. And I remember I kind of started to change my brain a little bit to stay in a discomforting situation and focusing on breathing. And I remember applying that um, to my life. This is back when I first started yoga and I had totally forgotten about that. Yeah, so ab absolutely. Uh, I don't, you know, whether it's a, it's a painful pose and yeah, again, painful, whether it's a, a, a deep sensation pose like pigeon pose or something mm. like that, or even if it's a balance pose, you know, tree pose or balancing warrior or half moon, when we hold those poses, if we can stay present and if we can accept what's happening in the pose, yep. that allows us to, to do that. It, it, the, the term has often been called when you take yoga off the mat and you do that in your everyday life. Yeah. yeah.
So I just wanted to share with you, I'm not a huge meditator, but what I do, um, and I would like to hear what you think about it, because um, I, I used to try to do the situation where you would have a thought and let it go and just try to have like your brain be static. And I figured like this isn't going to happen. Like this, it, my brain is too active. And I'm like, okay, that's fine. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to be okay with my active brain and all of these thoughts, but I'm going to be sitting in a movie theater and watching them on the screen. So I'm removing myself from them. So I'm trying not to get the emotional um, activation in the brain because this is what happens with, I'm sure most people, but it happens with me. I will have a thought and I will get a, like an anxiety response. You know, it's like a thought of the past or I'll, a worry. And I literally will get, my heart will start racing. And what I try to do in the meditation is I try to just remove myself from it. Like I am sitting in a movie seat and watching it on, uh, on the screen. Yeah, that's a, that's a very common um, practice in, you know, watching your thoughts float by and not being attached to them. And that's the biggest thing that, um, or that's the biggest challenge we have is getting attached to those emotions that come up because of absolute irrelevant thoughts in our mind. Um, I think that there are so many different ways to meditate out there. Like if you just type in meditation, you know, in a Google search, you're going to get at least 150 different hits and different styles and different concepts. And I think that it's important for people to find the concept and the style that works for them. So you found the idea of, um, you know, working on imagining that you're in a movie theater, so you're not attached to those thoughts. That's that's one way to do it. You know. Um, I think for people, if you sit down and think that you're going to stop your mind from thinking, you should change that thought because that's never going to happen. I've heard people say, well, you just have to quiet the mind. And, and, and how do you define quiet the mind? That, that's, that's a tough one. I would say more of um, watching, like you said, watching the mind versus trying to quiet the mind. I think there's a big difference there. Yeah. Yeah. I guess I feel like a lot of things that come into my brain, and I'm assuming everybody else's brain, are valid. They are valid worries. And a lot of things that I worried about in my past actually really happened. And I wish I hadn't worried about them. I wish I had, uh, I wish I had just processed them in a way so I could have been better prepared or uh, I wish I wasn't overwhelmed by anxiety and, and emotion from them um, and so that I could have handled things that really ultimately may have happened. I'm not saying that everything happened, but I do think that um, I, I don't like to write off uh, worries that I have as being completely ridiculous and irrelevant and don't think about that. Anxiety is ultimately just fear. And when we, when we talk about should we worry about something or not, um, we have to define what worry means. Do we create a storyline that uh, will, may, or may never come true, or do we look at the facts? Um, yeah. The, I, I, the example that comes to mind is let's say that you're uh, filing for bankruptcy and you're 
you know, you're creating these storylines that you're going to lose your house and you're going to lose your car and you're going to lose your job and you're going to end up homeless on the street and cold. That's a storyline. The reality is, okay, on, you know, Monday I go to the bank and I sign the papers. On Tuesday, I go back to work just like every other day. And I'm going to um, take Wednesday, I'm going to go back to work, same thing on Thursday, same thing on Friday. So there's a difference between planning out things that are going to be coming up versus worrying, which is creating those storylines that... You know, usually that's just all they are, or storylines. They're not the actual truth. Yeah, no, 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 that, that makes sense. The other thing to always remember when you're in a situation, whether it's comfortable or not comfortable, right? We could go either way with those situations, is um, to be present and to make sure that you respond in the present moment and that your reactions, keyword there, reactions, are not based on solid emotions. You want to be present when you have to act on something, when you have to make a decision. Your decisions will be right in that particular case. Before you discovered yoga, were you having, like most people, were you behaving in a way where your emotions were getting the best of you in driving your behaviors? I would say probably uh, the answer is yes. as I'm thinking back in, you know, I think like almost every childhood, you know, you're, you're taught by your parents and you're taught by your, your neighborhood and your culture of, of how to react to things. And, um, you know, in our culture, we tend to react uh, or even overreact to a lot of simple things. And I'm, yeah, I think I was, I was following that path like most other people. And, um, you know, I'm not sure, in all honesty, now that you, you ask me that, um, I feel like at some point there was a, a slow shift. It, it's, it didn't happen overnight. Um, I mean, I'm still working on it, you know, 20 years later. But I think that, um, I think that there was a shift happening where I realized that by responding, I worked retail, and so I had to deal with irate customers. And I think that I realized by responding in the present moment, so I'm not accusing them, I'm not, I'm listening to them, and I make sure that they understand that I'm listening to them, and then I'm, you know, either making a decision or responding to them in the present moment, um, you know, the, the situations got resolved a lot easier than if I reacted to their reaction. Do you think something like this, the sense of mindfulness and being in the present moment, is that something that is taught in schools in a different way that I'm not aware of? Or, In my opinion, nothing. We are absolutely not taught this at all in any way, shape, form, or fashion. Okay. To my knowledge. Okay. I mean, I know obviously it wasn't explicitly taught to me, but I wasn't sure if it maybe was an intention of like an academic curriculum in elementary school that I just wasn't aware of. Yeah, not to my knowledge. Um, I think that, I think a lot of times when you talk about things like this, um, I know that I get pushed back from people. Oh, well, that's just esoteric or, oh, that's just, you know, mumbo jumbo or, you know, that's not true and it can't be proven. So, um, no, I don't think that this is taught, in, to my knowledge, in any form, at any school. Hmm. 
Because this to me seems something very foundational. Um, yeah, this seems very foundational that having the ability to be mindful and stay in the moment and um, not reacting, I feel like that would be helpful to everybody. I think you would get better. I think you would get better results in whatever you're trying to do. Yeah, no, I, I completely agree. And you know, I know that there are there are schools out there. There are school districts out there that um, you know have tried in the past, and maybe they're still doing it, where they're trying to incorporate meditation into the cur curriculum somehow. You know, whether it's it's in the morning when school starts, or maybe midday. Who knows? Um, but I feel like there's 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 um, the same number of schools or school districts that are like banning this because they feel like it's a it's a religious influence of okay. some of some way and so you know yeah yeah i guess i wasn't necessarily thinking that meditation would be the actual way to accomplishment i don't I accomplish it i don't know i'm just thinking having the end result however it's however you turn that into a curriculum. I don't know what, if there's another option besides meditation. I mean, honestly, I feel like young boys, I know what I was, I know what I was like in, in elementary school and I was so hyperactive. There's no way that meditation would, would have worked for me, but I'm sure they could come up with something, you know, yeah. uh, something that potentially, you know, and I think that sports is probably related to that because it's a physical way where you have to stay focused, you know, in the same way that we talked about holding the pose and being discomfort and having to focus on your breathing, et cetera. I think when you're in a team sport, it's the same way. Like you are uh, probably having to, um, you can't be thinking about anything else and you have to be focused. Um, what would you tell people that are listening to this um, who are considering meditation or yoga? Yeah. Um, I think the number one thing that I, I tell everybody is um, whether you're trying yoga, whether you're trying meditation, whether you're trying a combination of them, is to uh, read up on teachers, read up on styles, uh, find the one that resonates best with you, um, and even once you find something that resonates with you, see if you can find different teachers, because like everything, you might like one thing, but you have to resonate with your teacher, whatever it may be. Um, you know, not everybody likes their piano teacher, not everybody likes their coach, but then they change something and they get a new coach or they get a new you know, music teacher and they like that person. So don't try it once and give up. Make sure that you find a teacher that you resonate with. I think that's most important. Okay, great. All right, Lance, well, first of all, thank you for a wonderful class tonight. That was amazing. My pleasure. And I've been coming, we're now post-COVID, we're back. So I've been coming once a week. So I'm actually, uh, you know, I hadn't done any yoga during COVID because I didn't really like the, the online stuff very much. Um, so I'm now, my body is getting back into it and that, that feels good. Yeah, good. So, I'm glad to hear that. Yeah. And obviously, thank you for um, hanging out after class and talking to me. Yeah, awesome. Yeah, thank you. You're welcome. My name is Ricky McGeckrin, and you have been listening to Eager to Know, the podcast. If you haven't already, please go to Apple Podcasts and subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. Join me next week for another Eager to Know podcast.